0: Hey, everybody. Kevin Grossman, president of the Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards. It is now 2020, and this year's Benchmark Research Program is open. Do you know what your candidate experience perception gaps are? What you're delivering and recruiting versus what your candidates actually are experiencing? The Candy Benchmark Research Program can definitely help you identify what those gaps are. And if elevating and promoting a quality candidate experience is what your organization is all about, then go to thetalentboard.org and register today. Enjoy this episode of the Candy Shop Talk podcast.
1: In order for us to really create the culture and the experience we want for our employees and our candidates, we chose to start looking at artificial intelligence in chat box to increase our pipeline of candidates.
0: You're listening to the Candy Shop Talk podcast brought to you by Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards Benchmark Research and hosted by Kevin W. Grossman. Talent Board is the first nonprofit research organization focused on elevating and promoting a quality candidate experience. This special AI edition of the Candy Shop Talk podcast welcomes Carol Hackett, SVP and CHRO at Houston Methodist, and Tom Vernon, Vice President of Talent and Experience at Houston Methodist the leading hospital in Houston for delivering superior patient care. Listen in on how improving candidate experience impacts recruiting and the business bottom line. Carol and Tom, thank you so much for being on this special AI edition of the Candy Shop Talk podcast. Before we get on with the rest of the show, I'm going to briefly introduce you both. And why don't you give us a little bit of background about your tenure at Houston Methodist and um, a little bit more about what you're doing here today. So Carol Hackett, you're the Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resource Officer at Houston Methodist. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about you first?
1: Sure, Kevin. Thank you. I've been at Houston Methodist uh, for approximately 13 years in a couple different roles, but my current role is overseeing HR strategy and tactics uh, for the system. We have a huge investment this year in technologies and use of automation, uh, digital uh, recruiting to be specific that we're going to be talking about today. And uh, we really have done a lot of focus and effort around becoming uh, more effective and efficient with these technologies.
0: That's exciting. And I I can't wait to dig into that because that's, again, what the heart of this particular podcast is about. And I think on the top of mind of many human resource and talent acquisition leaders across industries for that matter. And then Tom, Tom Vernon, you're the Vice President of Talent and Experience at Houston Methodist. So what, tell us a little bit more about you.
2: Uh, yeah, sure. I, I've been at Houston Methodist for coming up on five years, and my role oversees our talent management function as well as supports patient experience. So at Houston Methodist, that means talent management means talent acquisition strategy, organizational development, leadership, and learning. Both Carol and I co-chair our HR and Strategy Innovation Center, and we're both members of the Houston and Methodist Innovation Center. So it keeps our HR strategy connected to the overall strategy. And both Carol and I are also registered nurses. Oh, that's
0: fantastic. Good. Thanks very much for sharing that with us as well. So what's been evident in my tenure, at least in the past over 20 years being in the HR recruiting technology space. And, and I can tell you that when I first came into this tech side of this space, I worked for a startup that touted artificial intelligence matching, job matching algorithm, which was probably a little bit early to be talking about that 20 years ago, or just over 20 years ago. But it's what's fascinating to me is that we've come a long way, right? And and automation for any volume of hiring is extremely critical for companies to get right, just by the sheer volume of people that are researching and applying for jobs. And that smaller tier that obviously will make it to screening and interview and, and beyond. So why don't you both talk a little bit big picture first, when and why did you start looking at what we'll call, you know, smart technologies, AI related recruiting technologies. What kind of challenges were you looking to address initially?
1: Well sure, I'll start off. Basically, when you look at any type of solution, whether it's digital automation, et cetera, you really have to consider what problem are you trying to solve. And so for us, every year we put our heads together across the system, and we look at what HR strategies are we going to focus in on this year? Sometimes it's multi-year, but for the most part, what are we really going to focus on? What are our strategies and what are our goals? And then if technology or digital solutions are the answer, then we're going to focus our efforts on implementing them. So we have determined that we look at three main strategies across HR. We want flawless delivery of HR services. We want to be able to develop our next generation of leaders. And we want to be the employer of choice uh, through total rewards. And underneath each of those categories is a, a multitude of tactics. And so in order for us to really create the culture and the experience we want for our employees and our candidates, we chose to start looking at, artificial intelligence in chatbots to increase our pipeline of candidates to be able to fill our buildings. And the way I say that is because we're in a rapid growth process right now. We're building new buildings, we're building out shelf space, and so we have a high need to have a continual pipeline. Tom?
2: I think from the talent side, we probably started looking first at digital and then it sort of morphed and gradually went or rather quickly went to AI and automation. So for us, when you're looking at the acquisition space, you know, everybody has the silver bullet as what you can do to hire people quicker, find people quicker. So The first thing that was really key for us and Carol's really into data and metrics is to how do we demonstrate return on investment for what we're doing? So we were going a lot in on digital already because it shows us a better line of sight from investment to... To hires and quality hires. And from there, it led to how do we get more efficiency to allow our recruiters more time to spend with candidates and hiring managers rather than all the transactional things you have to do when you're engaging in the hiring practices and recruiting practices. So if you take our, our passion for digital and then tied it to the framework like Carol mentioned around how do we gain flawless delivery and efficiency and how do we provide an experience for our candidates that rivals um, what you'd expect as a consumer in any industry, all of started to make sense as far as the automation, the RPA, the bots, all the stuff that we're looking at. What's interesting is that
0: what we see in our research data is that when candidates are engaging or being engaged by a chat bot, when they're researching an organization, a business a brand, the jobs, and even going through the application process, where before there was little to no interaction, right? Because there's no way that you're recruiting teams, are going to be able to scale and really have that kind of communication with any volume of candidates. What we see is just higher ratings, overall positive ratings, because again, candidates at the end of the day, we see this every year in a data. they don't really care about what the technology stack is. You do at your organization, but what they do care about is, am I getting my questions answered? Am I getting some kind of engagement with this organization? And is it helping me to apply? And so all those things and those repetitive questions that I'm going to ask on a regular basis, right? When you realize you needed to automate more of that and knowing, again, what we know in our data, that it does actually initially at least raise positive ratings more readily. What did you start looking at? Who were you looking at? And you know, ultimately, where did you land uh, at the end of the day? And, and then how did that journey begin?
2: I think the first answer that, well, that was the first answer we had to answer, first question we had to answer ourselves is we saw the chatbot, we saw the value of it, we saw that we could increase our ability to pre-screen and scan Canvas that we really wanted to connect with, you know, one of our sourcers, or as we say, one of our humans. But I think what we had to decide is how could we handle the volume? So I think that you mentioned technology and how people resonate with the technology. I think they resonate with what you said around the connection and the responsiveness. So if we had a chatbot mining all this data and we didn't have a good infrastructure behind it to be able to follow up with candidates, not only we did we think it wouldn't help us, we thought it'd push us further behind with our brand because people want to make that connection, as you said. So for us, we started off with a, a pilot. We started off specifically with experienced med-surg nurses and we looked at medical assistants. So we didn't want to try to man mine all of the candidates. We wanted to focus on some very select ones to make sure we had our sourcing and our handoff processes in, in shape. And from there, it was successful. And now we do it with all of our experience, RN positions that we look for. No longer do it with the MAs. It didn't seem to be a good fit for us. But we grew it slowly to make sure that the volume of candidates that we are interacting with, we could serve them in a way that they'd want to be served from responsiveness and a consumeristic type experience.
1: We also found that using a texting platform to communicate with Candidates turned out to be a lot more successful than email because that's what we were using prior to that. And in fact, there's a lot better response from the candidates to answer texts than they are for email communications.
2: And I think the, the Carol's point, what we're finding with a lot of the innovations we're using enterprise wide for the patient side, the employee side, the billing side, um, the text tech technologies are the ones that seem to resonate with most of our customers. Those are the technologies that seem to be given us the earliest wins and most success with our innovation effort that's around texting tech uh, platforms. That's a fantastic.
0: Who else did you reach out to? Did you look, did you reach out to peers, analysts, influencers, your own IT internally? I mean, and besides some of the partners that. You just highlighted. Well, who else was involved in you know helping you kind of vet the the different systems that were and platforms that were available?
2: I think a couple key partners for us. So one, we we have a recruitment advertising vendor, and they know we have an appetite for digital type platforms. So we're assessing different vendors that they build relationships with all the time. We have a really good relationship with our IT department as well, but. Carol and I and other people on our team, we do a lot of networking with professional organizations across the country. You know, we speak in quite a few places. We invite people here to benchmark with us and we go to benchmark with others. So I think if you look at the technical side, you look at the overall digital industry from the advertising side, and then you look at the relationship for people that are trying to solve real issues from the HR space and the business space. I think you put those together and that's pretty much how we kept sourcing and evaluating different products and then eventually landed on the ones that we tried to use.
1: I would take two- Two years ago, we started looking at a vendor and AI and there wasn't a lot going on in the recruitment space that we could tell two years ago that had a lot of success. So we kind of partnered with our vendor very closely to see how to customize it for us. What does this look like for us?
0: And I know that um, based on some uh, another webinar that we did together when we were talking more about this you did actually find there was kind of some adjustments that needed to be made right so we're talking about paradox this is the organization that that you do work with and it is that the chatbot that you work with, but in trying something out. So can you share with us like what worked and what didn't work early on?
2: Yeah, I I think for us, we had to come up with a way to narrow the scope from the beginning. So we had to work down with Paradox, but with our internal HR information systems and our recruitment advertising uh, partner that we wanted to have the chatbot uh, fire just for certain positions, where a lot of organizations we talk with, that's where they struggle because they think they have to have the chatbot go live with all their positions. I think it took us a little while to work that out. And Paradox was, we thought they were pretty flexible. I, I think for us, we are probably one of their first major healthcare clients. They have a lot of large clients, but for healthcare, we were probably one of their early adopters and we felt they were willing to work with us. We deployed a couple of their solutions. One was for two different versions or two different processes around acquisition, one for medical, assistants that did not use an auto-scheduling feature, one for nurses that did. We quickly learned that without the auto-scheduling feature, it just wasn't uh productive use of time. We also deployed another chatbot to answer employee questions around benefits and time off. And it was more of an open-ended free text question and answer bot. And for that one, we just didn't get the results. Our employees weren't using it as much as we thought they would. we were spending a lot of time working with our partners to train and help the chatbot learn, but it didn't seem to be gaining enough traction that our time investment in it was worth what we're getting out of it. So it's a great product, great platform, but it's not the right one for us at this time. And you want to talk about fail
1: fast yes yeah, so we have this saying that we kind of resonates with us that we say you know succeed fast fail fast learn fast if something is not working on the technology side like the chatbot for benefit then we put it to rest we then go on to our next uh, opportunity we found that that type of methodology has worked well with us moving things forward all the time.
0: That's really important to hear that, right? I mean, I think just as in business, as in life, the the way to know is to do, and that includes failing and again, failing fast and learning and pivoting and ensuring that what's providing the greatest near-term and long-term return for your organization and for your teams and just all things and said and done, that's really important to know as quickly as possible because sometimes you're in long-term contracts with some some other systems that you implement at your organization that are underutilized. And that's fiscally can really be a burden for for HR and recruiting as as well. So it's important to have a partner like Paradox that that did that with you. And and Tom, maybe you could kind of what you were going to comment on can segue to what where I'm going next is just the fact that, based on these early iterations that you were that didn't work on the employee side, but it was working on some of the key position sides that you were focusing the chatbot on. What was the timeline for that in regards to getting that thing up and running and implementing it, seeing what was working, what wasn't? What were we talking about? Weeks, months? I mean, what what was that experience? Like? like and how long did it take?
2: Maybe Carol can fill in the gaps if I'm missing these. I, I I would say that from the time we decided we wanted to do it and we had a lot of conversations internally with HR, we had a lot of conversations then with our DIOP or Houston Methods Innovation Center. I would think from concept until launch, Carol, quote me, I checked, I'm wrong, I'd say about maybe eight to 10 weeks.
1: It was very quick because um, we had been thinking about this for a long time and what it might look like. And Paradox was very anxious for us to, you know, in healthcare, get this up and running. And so they were very responsive. But one of the things that I will tell you we were able to do this is because we were able to get the funding for it through our innovation center. Do you want to talk about that, Tom?
2: Yeah, I can. So I think that for us getting the support, the financial support, because HR, we, we don't have a lot of discretionary funding for IT-type solutions, especially when it's mid-year that it wasn't budgeted as part of capital or operations. So when we had the concept, we had the use case, we were able to take it to our innovation center committee, which Carol and I sit on, and we were able to get funding for it. And we don't really call things pilots. We just say we're going to launch it because in order to launch it, you have to be able to demonstrate that you have the ability to operationalize it. So the way our innovation center works, it's people who have operational type roles. So when you're bringing up a solution, you're trying to solve a problem, usually in your part of the business, and you have a way that you can operationalize it versus a lot of organizations they have an innovation center. It sort of sits off to the side with a lot of brilliant people who can ideate and innovate, come up with these products. But if you don't have a clear connection to business of how you would deploy it and operate it to meet a need, a lot of organizations struggle there. So we justify that need up front. The people seeking funding are the ones that are going to implement it, and it's been very successful. So we were able to get it funded. We got up and running quickly. Usually we have a, you know, 30 to 60 day out in most of our contracts, but I, I want to comment a little bit more too on the, the fail fast, you know, so fail fast is something like Carol said that when something's not working, you, you need to pull the plug quickly instead of trying to fix it, spending all the resources. That's not our motto to fail fast. We prefer not to fail, but in order to fail, you have to have permission to fail. So if you want to take a risk and really try to do something that's innovative that you think is a huge return, but no one Ever done it before? If you're afraid to fail and your organization doesn't permit you to fail, you may not take that chance and you might miss something incredible. So, for us, you know, being able to take that chance and say, Yeah, this one worked great. It's huge. Everyone is applauding our chatbot for the recruitment side. The other one's not for us right now. We just move on. And as long as we can demonstrate what we learned and what we would do differently as part of the decision making process or how we'd implement it, if we feel we learned something from it, that will help us in the future, we still think it's a win, even if the product didn't meet our expectations.
0: And I think that, just to underscore that, of course, nobody wants to fail, but it's kind of a, I mean, in a way, it's, it's a life lesson, personal and business imperative though too, right? I think that that's really the only way that we truly do learn, adapt, and better apply those lessons when it does happen to what's going to better have, you know, measures of success for the organization. So for example, that said, when you look at, what you've seen, to what has been successful so far with the chat bot and with the, with the key positions that you had r- rolled it out to initially, what were some of those and what are today some of those measures of success that you're seeing? How, how is it being quantified on like, this is, we've improved X to Y now yeah. as it relates to... So what are some of those success measures so far?
2: Yeah, happy to share those. We're very proud of them, actually. So I always start with the story that Mia was born, I believe, on December 17th, 2018 at about 4.02 in the afternoon. Mia is the name of our chatbot for recruiting. It stands for Methodist Interactive Assistant. Within 12 minutes, she was having our first chat with candidates. Our first experience hire RN was for a full-time nights nice position who was relocating from California to Houston. Uh, the chat to hire time was 21 days. So if you put that in perspective for us in 2018, when we look at experienced nurses, nurses that have 18 months of experience or more, our time to fill for those positions was 57.4 days. And time to fill for us means time from the positions posted until the offer is accepted. In 2019, that same category or same audience, we went down to 47.3 days for time to fill. So we're talking about a 10-day reduction in time to fill for experienced nurses. When we look at chat time to fill, so the time that they first chatted with me and not all of our nurses do, the chat to fill time. So when they chatted to the time of offer for experienced RNs, that is 36.2 days. So we've seen some tremendous volume. Um, Since our live. we've hired 401 RNs our 401 employees, I'm sorry, 328 of them are RNs in just over a year. So it's it's really for us an amazing tool that we have. But like I said, without the people behind it, our sourcers and our recruiters and our hiring managers, we don't think we'd be successful. But MIA is a tool that can help increase their candidate flow, a pre screen candidate flow. And then we have our sourcers have those conversations. And if we feel there's a fit for the candidate and us, the right position, the right location, the right shift, we hand them off to the recruiter. So it's a good experience for the people engaging through MIA and um, we're getting great results. I think what's important to note there is really at the
0: end of the day, what this technology has been able to do is it really has been able to empower the human side of recruiting at Houston Methodist, right? I think when these success stories that we're hearing now of AI-related technologies, chatbots, and and, and there's other kind of iterations that are now being applied to not just recruiting, but also talent management learning. But I think to hear that, I mean, that's important, right? Because this wasn't about coming in and like a full displacement of the talent acquisition team. This is really helping them just better recruit the, and the human side of what recruiting is all about at the end of the day, right? You get these folks surfacing to the top, bubbling to the top and screened and, and interested and engaged. And now the team takes over and, you know, hence the reduction in, in time to fill and just the, the volume of people that you've hired in a shorter period of time. And that technology has really helped to augment that. I think that's really important to, to point out to everybody that's listening out
2: there, right? Yeah, and and I think that the people that are probably listening probably, you know, realize not all recruiters are going to say, oh, this is great, let's let's go full speed ahead because in this space, there's a lot of new products. There's always the greatest, next, best thing. And sometimes they meet your expectations, sometimes they don't. So I think it's more of a prove-it type profession. (laughs) Sounds good, but, you know, I'm not going to take for granted it's going to work. So we had different levels of adoption, but I think what made it key is the confidence in the handoff and the relationship between the recruiters and the sourcers, this was something that was going to help them better use their time not to reduce you know people it was more around how do we create a more efficient process that increases the experience of our candidates
0: absolutely what i want to ask about next then is from the candidate's perspective do you have any measurements or do you ask are you asking candidates to rate their experience of engaging with mia do you have any feedback directly from the candidates on how it's impacted their overall experience at least in the front end of the process
2: yeah, we have two things we do. We have some objective data. We have some more qualitative data. So when we first launched, we interviewed people that were hired to see what their experience were. And we collected a lot of anecdotal, very positive experiences. But when you're talking to people that hired, usually they have a more positive experience than those that weren't, right? <laughs> they got the job and you know Mia helped them get it. I think the interesting thing is some people thought Mia was a real person. Others realized that Mia was a bot. But overall, the experience anecdotally was very positive. What we also do on an annual basis, we do what we call our Voice of the customer survey. So we survey our hiring managers, we survey our recruiters, we survey people that were recently hired. We survey people that recently applied and were not hired. So we can't isolate that now from those who were MIA candidates versus those who are not, but we see trends of improvements. We identify things that we want to do differently. And usually the biggest thing that we need to improve on is communication with candidates, the timeliness of communications, and the timeliness of the hiring process are our areas. So we saw some improvements in that year over year. I can't isolate it to just the our chatbot MIA, but I, I think that we all realize that it's having a positive impact.
0: So what's next? I mean, as it relates not just to recruiting, but when it comes from a technology perspective, what's on the horizon uh, across from the candidate to the employee experience, potentially as it relates to, you know, again, smart technologies, AI-related technologies. What's yeah. what's coming in the next few years for Houston Methodist?
2: So a couple things. Our strategy is to totally reimagine, reinvent the onboarding process from the time we're sourcing a candidate all the way through the first year of hire. And, and our strategy around that is how do we create a personalized journey, one that's efficient, one that models, you know, interactions you have with other businesses and technologies to make them easy to use, less friction, more meaningful. So I think with that overarching strategy, we're starting to really spend the time evaluating voice. So how do we use natural language processing, ambient listening? How do we use the things like the smart speakers, you know, Alexa, Siri, and Google Assistant, to leverage that so we see and things we're working on now alexa find me a nursing job at houston methodist alexa will have that conversation with you it'll then turf you over to our chat bot for the scheduling and finish up the conversation on the back end and we're thinking we can engage an audience at a different level using voice so we're very interested with that we're actually getting ready to pilot that internally today um, and we'll start advertising it probably in the coming weeks to see what we can do within our markets and community that's very exciting right because
0: this that's this is how we live not just the kids today right with their hip new technologies it's, it's all of us i mean we're we're right. using these voice activated technologies in our cars at home i um, at work and to, to apply them now to job search to internal mobility to all the things that you were just highlighting i, I think that's pretty exciting
1: we're also looking at you know how clear used in airports how that can expedite the experience as well. You know, they know who we are. It expedites us through the lines. We don't have to fill out wait in long lines or et cetera. In recruiting, I think we shoot ourselves in the foot sometimes. We require so much paperwork and information and we ask them over and over and over again for the same information every time they apply for a job. So that whole know me concept that Tom was talking about is they're gonna we're gonna know who they are the minute they sign in and they're not going to have to repeat the information over and over again.
2: Yeah, Applying for a job here, um, our vision is it will be as easy as buying something online through an online service. So you create your profile one time, you add the job to your basket, you click submit. We know who you are and we know what your interests are. We know what your searches are so we can reach out to you and recommend. We want to start working on someone's development pre-hire. If you're hired, we know your interests. We want to convert that into a career dialogue with your manager so we have our 30, 60, 90-day reviews, and we can start to help you plan your career with Houston Methodist even before you officially accepted the position. So we're looking at a very integrated approach where, like Carol said, we're not going to ask you the same stuff over and over. We're going to be more predictive. We have a lot of information on people who apply for positions with us. Why should we wait for you to come back if you didn't find the match the first time? We should be reaching out to you and saying, here's what we have based on your interest. Mia will have a conversation with you, help get you scheduled and connect you with our sourcers if it's a match. So instead of being passive, how can we be proactive, but being proactive in a selective way that if we reach you, it's not just a wide, you know, blast trying to reach everybody. We're reaching people with a specific opportunity based on their personalized specific interests.
1: Right. So personalization and customization for each individual is important because then, you know, they understand that we know who they are and that we, you know, value them as a candidate next candidate.
0: That's really important and that's, you know, that's really where I long and hope to see where all talent acquisition goes for external recruiting as well as internal mobility. And I think that as a way to encourage me as a candidate where most of the time, again, Nine out of 10 of us aren't going to be hired for any given job, but it will help solidify for me to, to want to apply again, to want to refer others, to want to be a brand advocate for your organization. And it could also definitely impact retention for, for those. Yeah. who who want to stay at the organization. This hyper-personalization is becoming real. We're we're experiencing it in in our consumer lives. And it's just nice to hear that this is where you're, you're going and getting to on the recruiting and hiring side. I think that's really important. One last question that I wanted to ask you both. What's one recommendation that you would give to another organization today who's really looking at how these artificially intelligent technologies could impact their recruiting and hiring? What's one recommendation you give?
2: I think that you can't look at the technology to solve a broken process. So you, you need to make sure you know what you're trying to achieve. And, you know, for us, like I said, we had to be able to manage the volume to make sure we provided a great experience for people. If we couldn't do that, it wouldn't help us out. So I think a lot of times people look at technology as something that's going to be able to solve something, but you have to have a process on the back end for it to be for it likely to be successful.
1: And I would say, again, what problem are you trying to solve? And, you know, not to implement technology or automation for automation's sake. You really have to look at the return on investment. You really need to ensure that the organization supports through funding what you're trying to do. So you need resource support, you need process support, you need to really align it with where you're taking, in in our case, the HR function to help the business be better.
0: Fantastic. I want to thank you both so much for being on the Candy Shop Talk podcast and look forward to meeting you all in person someday. Thank you, Kevin. It was
2: our pleasure, Kevin. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Candy Shop Talk podcast. For more information about Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards and Benchmark Research, visit www.thetalentboard.org.